Welcome to Passion Life Church. A brand new series that I'm so excited to talk with you uh, about, and we're calling it Fearless. Everybody say that with me. Say Fearless. Can you turn to 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 20, if you would? You know, all of us face fears, and uh, many of them uh, different kinds and, and different shapes that people have. I think for some people, they have a fear of heights, right? Can't go too high. Other people have a fear of dogs, spiders, snakes, you know, thunder and lightning. Some people have a fear of, of flying. Some people have a fear of cats. Come on, somebody. Some a fear of germs. Maybe that's only Howie Mandel, but I, I don't know. A fear of hospitals and a fear of the darkness for some kids, right? And uh, hospitals, a uh, fear of cats. Did I already say cats? A um, fear of cats. But it's interesting because there's all these new different types of fears. I don't know. I did some research about it, and I thought it's interesting. I don't know if you've ever heard of this one. It's called ablatophia. It's the fear of bathing. I don't know if you know anybody. It's those probably goes to little kids, a child, uh, you know, who is afraid of, I don't know, falling down the drain. Uh, there's a fear there. Emblatopia, it's the fear of vomiting. Um, I don't know if anybody's been affected by that. Gamophobia is the fear of marriage and the fear of commitment. Halophobia is the fear of bad breath. How many of you would want more people to be aware of that one uh, when, they're, when they're talking with you? And then there's nobophobia. That is the fear of being without your mobile phone. Come on, somebody, right? Homophobia is the fear of belly buttons. People who accidentally see their belly button in the mirror uh, get a little bit uh, scared. And so there's social phobia, and that's the fear of social situations, right? And then there's amophobia. It's the fear of flowers. Um, you know, people see a flower, they, they, they get afraid. And I think what's interesting about this fear of belly buttons is I don't know what happens is they see people, somebody will see themselves, and then they, they get scared, kind of like when you're, you know, at the self-checkout at Target and you're, you're like, you know, you think you look great and you go in there and then you pull your head up and then you actually see yourself in that camera. Come on, somebody like, oh, who's that? Like, oh, that's me. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I wonder if, uh, I guess you wouldn't see your belly button there. Then there's the fag, the, the uh, fragophobia, which is the fear of swallowing. It's interesting because I did some research on this and uh, the people who study phobias, this is what they will tell you, that you are really only born with two phobias. And that's number one. One, the fear of loud noises, and the second one is the fear of falling. But there's about 2,000 phobias that they have found. And what's interesting is that if you're only born with two phobias, that means the other 1,900 phobias are learned by us. How many of you know that fear can be contagious, right? Just like faith is contagious, so can fear. But the good news is if we can learn 1,900 phobias, that means that we can actually unlearn them. Come on, somebody. We can unlearn the phobia. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this fearless series is facing our, our, our fears, but also unlearning some of the things that we have learned. And my church family, I want to just say again that fear can be contagious. And so oftentimes what the parents are, feel, are fearing, they're, they're passing it on to their kids. And maybe that's been you, you know, there's some family fears that have been passed on to you. But I'm believing that today that you are going to break through and you are going to be fearless. Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 20. Do you have it? It says this, Benaiah was the son of Jehiah, the son 
of a valiant man of Kabazil who had done many mighty deeds. He killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. You know, that means that he was a giant. He was very muscular, very tall, a spectacular man. And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand and he went down to him with a staff, wrestled the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. What an interesting verse of scripture. This was probably not taught to you when you were a child in children's church. If you grew up going to church, this was probably not one of the scriptures that we would talk about in, the, uh, in, in children's church. But I want to tell you this whole chapter, if you begin to read 2 Samuel 23, it's all about David's mighty men. Do you know who David is? David is the one who killed Goliath. David is, he killed a lion himself. He killed a bear himself when he was in his teens. And then he also killed Goliath. But 2 Samuel chapter 23 notes all of David's mighty men, all of the things that they have done. And it's an interesting chapter of, of, uh, of verses. But it's interesting because when you read this, out of all the stories that could have been written in the Bible, do you know that the Bible says about Jesus's miracles. There were so many that all the books could not contain them. But so we have a story here in the Old Testament. Why is it there? Why did God feel that to inspire the the Holy Spirit, to inspire the writer to put this in the Bible? Well, I believe it's to inspire us today. And let me just say in this series, we're going to look at the life of Benaiah But as you read the Old Testament, I want to encourage you so you can understand that the Old Testament stories are there to help us understand New Testament truths. So we can understand the New Testament truths. And we're going to look at Benaiah today because he is a fascinating man. And we're going to learn what happens in Benaiah's life when he faces his fears. And I have called today's message Lion Chasers. Everybody say Lion Chasers. Now, I seriously, seriously doubt that uh, anybody listening to this message today is going to ever find themselves in a pit like Benaiah with a 500-pound lion on a snowy day. But I will tell you this. I don't know if you saw the news story. I think it was about three years ago. There was a mountain lion right outside of Sears when Sears was at the Promenade Mall. There was a mountain lion that was, I guess, just looking for food, looking for water. And it was out there. And that was, that was pretty interesting. So every time I go outside of my house, I'm like, man, man, lions are going to the mall here in Temecula. You have, you have to be careful. But I doubt that really you're ever going to have an encounter with a lion. But I don't think anybody honestly would say, you know, Pastor Phil, I love how I wake at night worrying about a lion encounter, right? I, we wouldn't say that. But, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that Benaiah is going to wrestle and he's going to kill a lion. He's actually going to attack the lion. Lions are about 500 pounds. You may never encounter a lion, but here's what I do know. I do know that all of us encounter problems and situations, and sometimes those problems can seem like 500-pound problems. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
And so maybe for some of you, you've made some decisions where you've fallen into a pit. Maybe, you know, you've had to weather a few stormy days. But I'm going to tell you what can happen when problems and we face problems is uncertainty can set in. And fear can set in when there's uncertainty. But for you and I as a believer and a child of God, our default should not be fear. It should be faith. Can I hear a good amen today in God's house? Now, you know, God can give us a dream, and uh, I'm praying, I'm believing that many of our congregation, including myself, that, man, we'll have bigger dreams, that we'll be dreaming bigger. But I think sometimes when you think about a God-sized dream, man, it's so big, it can, it can scare the living daylights out of you. Or maybe, you know, for you, it's, it's, it's a bad habit or a bad decision that finds you at the bottom of a pit. Or maybe it's a cloud of, of self-doubt, you know, that just seems to loom over your life. Can I just be honest with you? Normal people run away from lions. They run fast away from lions. They want, you know, they want to get out as soon as possible. But it's the same with problems. Oftentimes people, you know, they neglect their problems, they deny their problems, or they just run away from their problems. But the, the difference between us, I think, at times and Benaiah is Benaiah didn't run from the lion. He actually chased the lion. He's a lion chaser. How do I know that? Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 20 says this. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. So here's what Benaiah is doing. He sees the lion. He doesn't run away from it. He actually jumps into the pit with the lion. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about three characteristics of lion chasers and what we can learn from Benaiah's life. Here's number one. This is what I've learned from Benaiah is lion chasers have an eye for opportunity. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that in the evil day, there's still opportunity. I talk to a lot of Christians who seem to talk more about the evil day than they do the opportunity that the evil day can bring. What are you talking about, Pastor Phil? Yes, as the dates, the days get darker, guess what? The light shines brighter. Can I hear a good amen today? So we are in a dark day, but here we have the remnant. We have the lion chasers that we have an opportunity to spread the gospel to a people that are hurting. You know, there's a lot of people hurting today. There's a lot of people that are going through a lot and we have the answer. We have the power. So yes, there's evil, but my church family, there is opportunity. What are you focused on? And I love this, that Benaiah sees this lion. You know, lions will kill you, man. They're, they're dangerous, right? But here's the reality. How we handle our problems, how do we handle the lions in our life will actually determine our future. What kind of future that we have. See, this is what Benaiah did. He saw the lion as an opportunity. We have to have a different perspective about our problems. What's the different perspective? The different perspective is we can't look at our problems with the perspective of man, a, a sad thing or an evil thing. We have to look at our problems with the perspective of this is an opportunity for God to show himself strong in our life. Maybe today you're, you're sick. You go to the doctor and he gives you the, the diagnosis and the diagnosis brings fear into your life. You say, it's a problem. Can I just tell you? No, it's not a problem. It's an opportunity for you to experience the miraculous healing power of God. 
You may be needing today a financial breakthrough with everything that's happening in the world. Is it a problem? Yeah, you can look at it as a problem or you can look at it as an opportunity to experience the supernatural provision that God has for you and for me. My church family, are we just going to allow the lions to devour us or will we decide to chase the lion? And here's the reality. When you change your perspective, when you start to see problems as opportunity, it turns the despondency that we have into expectancy. I want to say that again. See, when you look at your problems and you can get down, you can get despondent, you can get depressed, or if you start saying, this is an opportunity for God to breakthrough for me to see his power. Now that despondency turns into expectancy. So now I'm actually expecting God to do something. I'm actually excited now because something is going to happen. Something good is going to happen in my life. And so as the lions roar in our life, as the problems roar, we don't need to run from the roar. We need to run to the roar. This is what Benaiah did. And you know, the Bible talks about in the New Testament, we have an enemy. You and I have an enemy. His name is Satan. He's the devil. And First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this. It says, be sober. Listen, this is all things about your mind. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So the Bible says that the enemy that you and I have, right, he parades himself like a lion. And he's roaring at you. See, for some of you, your problems are roaring at you. And they're saying, hey, you know what? Nothing's ever going to change. You're not going to change. You haven't changed yet. It's never going to happen. The problems are roaring at you. The problems are saying you're never going to get healed. You're never going to experience healing. It's a roar of the enemy. And I got to tell you, that is the goal of the enemy to oppose you, to stop you from stepping into the future that God has for you. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill from you. And eventually he wants to destroy your life. But I have some great news today. The Bible says that our enemy is like a lion. He's not a lion. He's like a lion. But the Bible also tells us for Christians, there is a true lion. See, oftentimes when we look at Jesus, we look at Jesus and we say he is the lamb of God. He is the lamb of God. So oftentimes it can just portray this tender, you know, weak type of God. My church family, the book of Revelation verse 5 and chapter 5 verse 5 says he is not only a lamb, but he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And the Bible says he will prevail. So you and I, have a true lion who's roaring over our lives. Can I hear a good amen today? And the lion is the true lion. The enemy goes around like a lion. But here's the thing. The devil is totally defeated because of what the lion of Judah did on the cross. You and I don't have to be afraid of the enemy. You and I can have authority over the enemy. But I think this is important for us to understand. 
that doesn't mean that the enemy isn't looking for an opportunity in your life to capitalize. He's looking for the zebra who is separate from the pack. He's looking for the one who is lagging. That's why I think church is so important because you get into a body of believers, a a people together. It's always the ones who are straggling. It's always the ones who are not in church. The enemy looks for the opportunity, much like when you're driving. Have you ever been driving and you're in the wrong lane and you're just looking for that opportunity, that one slow driver. And you know what? You always find them. There's always one person. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's always that one person who's not paying attention and I'm going to bank on that. And sure enough, somebody's on their phone, they're texting. Boom, I'm going to take that opportunity. But it's much like what the enemy does. He's looking to devour people. And I asked myself this question. I said, who's he going to devour? Who is he going to devour? Can I tell you who's going to devour? Number one, he's going to devour people that don't even believe that there is a Satan, that there is a devil. You know what? He's already got you, already devoured. Who else is he going to devour? He's going to devour children of God who don't know who they are in Christ. He's going to devour people, Christian people, who don't understand the spiritual weapons that they have in their arsenal. They will be devoured, but not the people of Passion Life Church. Come on. You're going to know who you are. You're going to know what you can do because we're going to raise up lion chasers. Now, this may shock you when you find out why Benaiah was chasing a lion. This is so interesting to me because we don't think the way he does. But you know why Benaiah was chasing a lion and he jumped into a pit with it? 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 22 tells us this. These things Benaiah, the son of Jediah, did and won a name among the three mighty men. It's interesting. Here's why Benaiah is jumping into a pit with a lion. He wanted to win a name among the mighty. We don't think like this today. We don't think like this today. My church family... He looked at a problem with the opportunity of promotion. All of Benaiah's friends were mighty men. Many of them fought giants. He hung out with David. David killed a lion, killed a bear. Can I just tell you, who you hang out with will inspire your life. Can I hear a good amen? This isn't just a message for the youth. You know, the Bible says you walk with the wise, you become wise. You walk with lion chasers, you won't be running like a scaredy cat. You'll be running after the big cats. If you hang out with people who are apathetic and don't come to church, don't serve, don't be surprised if you find yourself just sitting at home all the time and you feel distant from God. You know, my pastor... I love what he always says. He says when people come up to him and say, you know, pastor, I just feel so far away from God. My pastor will say, well, who moved? Come on. God is an ever-present help in your time of need. God didn't move. You moved. And let me just say, if you want to find out about your future, look at who your friends are. Your friends are telling. Are your friends moving forward? Are your friends constantly complaining? My church family, fear is contagious, but so is faith. So is courage. I want to hang out with people who are bolder than me, people who are strong. Can I hear a good amen today? I know we don't, we don't talk like this because the idea of Christianity is that we're just, you know, we're just meek and we're just mild. Can I just tell you what meekness is? Meekness is not weakness.
weakness. Meekness is controlled strength where you know how to use the strength that you have. You know when to restrain it, but you also know when to use it. But Benaiah wanted to be named among the mighty. And you know what's interesting is that he wanted to be a part of the mighty three. He wanted to be in David's arsenal of, of men. This was his goal. His goal was, listen, all right, David, you killed a lion. I'm going to kill a lion too. David, if you could kill a lion, I could kill a lion. If a teenage boy with the power of God can kill a lion, I can do it too. So I'm going to go chase a lion. Why? It's not just about my name, but it's about being named among the mighty, the people of God. Can I ask you a question? Do you want to be named among the mighty or do you want to stay and be among the weak? This was his goal. I want to be named among the mighty. Now, this is different than how you and I have been conditioned the last two and a half years, my church family. Right? The last two and a half years, here's what's being said. Stay safe. Stay safe. Can I just tell you, when you look at me, don't say stay safe. This is what I want to do. When you look at me, you say, Phil, stay risky. Phil, stay bold. Phil, stay anointed. Come on, Phil, stay strong. Don't give me none of that stay safe stuff. I'm tired of it. It was funny, my wife was at work with uh, one of her coworkers and one of the patients was leaving. He's like, stay safe. And she goes, why did you just say that? He goes, I don't know. I just wanted to be nice. What does it even mean? Because the way you spell faith is R. I-S-K is all about risk. Safe people aren't chasing lions. Safe people aren't attacking their Goliaths. Safe people aren't attacking their debt. Safe people aren't attacking their problems. They're running like scaredy cats. They're running in fear. But can I tell you the mindset of a lion chaser? Lion chasers are more focused on not missing opportunities than they are staying safe. And here's what I want to do. I want to raise up a church of lion chasers, people who overcome, people who say, yeah, I had cancer, but because of the power of God, I'm healed. Put that on your resume, cancer survivor. It's a whole nother level. Benaiah wanted to live at a whole nother level. He didn't want to just survive. He wanted to thrive. He had a goal. And my church family, can I tell you what happened to Benaiah because he did this? David took notice of his feats of strength and he became David's bodyguard. The guy that killed Goliath, Benaiah was his bodyguard. Because his whole goal was, I want to be named among the mighty. Can I just be honest with you? I want to have a church that is named among the mighty, that we are doing great things in the community of Marietta, that we are doing great things among the world. I don't want to have a church of just four and no more. We want to be named among the mighty. Can I hear a good amen today? So what lion chasers do is they see the problem and they attack it. Can I just ask you a question today, my church family? What if the life you really want, the future that God has for you, is hiding right now on the other side of your greatest problem? What if, listen, on the other side of your greatest fear is the life that you've always been dreaming of?
starting the business. Oh, there's a bunch of problems. Yeah, but there's a bunch of opportunities. My church family, Benaiah did not play not to lose. He played to win. And there's a lot of people right now who have been safe and they are stuck. Come on, somebody. They have been cowering back because they're playing not to lose instead of praying, playing to win. Benaiah said, I'm going to attack what could attack me and I'm going to win. Come on, somebody. He didn't have a survival mentality. He wanted victory in his life. Here's number two. Lion chasers use the correct measuring stick. Did you know that lions can actually run up to 35 miles an hour and leap 30 feet uh, in, in the air? That, that, that's a lot. And when you look at Benaiah and you think about the lion, it's interesting because you're like, man, <laughs> he doesn't stand a chance. He doesn't stand a chance. I mean, think about it. He's jumping into a pit, okay? So it's the lion that's overwhelming, big, heavier than him, he, right? He jumps into the pit, right? So the surface that he's on, right? He's enclosed. The climate is snowy. It's slippery. Every odd is against him. But here's what I love about Benaiah. He's not walking away. He actually wants to get a running start, and he's going to jump into this pit, and I want to just encourage you, because today, if you feel like all the odds are against you, lion chasers measure everything against the size of the almighty God, even including 500-pound lions. And if you're going to chase the lion, and if you're going to attack your problem, you can't have a mentality that your problem is bigger than your God. Every time you use the wrong measuring stick, you will have fear. Right? This was the problem with David. David had to solve this problem. He noticed this problem. The problem was that all the men of, of the Israel army, they were standing there and they were measuring Goliath. They were looking at themselves and then measuring themselves up to Goliath. David walks on the scene and he has the proper measuring stick. He does not measure Goliath with the size of himself. He measures Goliath with the size of God. Come on, somebody. And he looks, he says, you're big, but my God is bigger. You're strong, but my God is stronger because I have the correct measuring stick. I've already killed a lion. I've already killed a bear. But you know what? This giant will be just like them because he used the proper measuring stick. Are you learning something? And I wonder how you're measuring your problems. I believe every day we have to wake up and look at the size of God. No, we wake up and look at the size of our economy. You have to take a step back and look at the size of your God. That's why we are to magnify God. Not that we're making him any bigger. My church family, God can't get any stronger. He can't get any bigger. But when we magnify him, we are making him bigger in our own eyes. You got to use the correct measuring stick. Now, I'm going to tell you, when God gives you a dream... And if you're going to be chasing lions, a God-sized definition is, a God-sized dream is by definition beyond your ability anyway. It's beyond your ability. It's beyond your ability. It's beyond your own resources. That's how you actually know it's a God-sized dream. Because here's the reality. If you can do it by yourself, then it's not God. 
It has to be so big that there's actually, it, it, it scares you. But this is, let me just tell you, this is what God loves. Because unless God does it, it can't be done. And that is precisely how God gets the glory. See, my church family, God will do what we can't do. That's what he does. If you can do it, here's what happens. When we do it, we like to get the glory. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, it was, you know, I had the degree and, and da, 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 you know, and I did it. But what element? See, that doesn't take any element of faith. That's all you. But God will do what you can't do. Why? Because that's how he gets the glory. So it's so enormous when people go like, how did you do this? You say, it was but God did it in my life. Come on, and he gets the glory, and we exalt him. That's really the purpose. My church family, here's the measuring stick for God, that when we stand before him, he says to you and I, well done, good and faithful servant. Listen, the measuring stick is not, hey, well, you planned well, well said, well planned, well thought of. No, it's well done. It's well done, good and faithful servant. That's the measuring stick for God. You know, one of the things that I've realized is that our destiny, you have a destiny. That's why you're alive today. You have a destiny, but our destiny doesn't have to be a mystery. Do you know that in truth, destiny is really just a decision to, that you make? It's a decision that you make. Now, it can be a difficult decision. It can be a daring, counterintuitive decision. But you know how you fill your, your destiny? You fulfill your destiny? Taking one opportunity at a time. David looked at the lion. People saw a big lion and problem. He saw an opportunity and he took it and he killed the lion. David saw a bear. People said, ooh, that's a bear. That's, that's big. That's bigger than you, David. David saw another opportunity. See, the children of Israel saw a giant. David saw a giant opportunity. David saw a, 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 a guy that was so tall, he said, he's too big to miss. That is a giant opportunity. And I'm just going to be honest with you. David was a lot like Benaiah because when he's walking through the children of Israel, this is what he says. What do I get for killing that fool? What is he looking at? He's looking at opportunity. And they're like, man, you get the king's daughter. He's like, mm, is she pretty? No taxes, uh-huh, no IRS agents, mm-hmm, I'll kill him. David said, I have a giant of an opportunity. And I wonder if you look at your problems that way, but you have to make a decision. See, opportunities often are disguised as 500-pound lions. And I wonder if what we're walking away from, we actually should be walking into head on. You know, I was in debt a lot before I got married and I heard a message like this and man, creditors would call me and I would just, uh -uh. I ain't listening to that, I rebuke you. I heard a message like this and I really didn't have a lot of money, but I got on the phone and I attacked my debt. I started calling them and said, hey, this is this Phil, this Phil Valdez? Yeah, it's Phil Valdez. Yeah, we've been trying to get a hold of you. Yeah, I've been trying to get a hold of you. Come on, somebody. I got to handle this debt. Yeah, we called you before. I'm calling you now. 
well, we, we were calling you because this is, yeah, well, I'm calling you. I need to take care of it. How much did it take care of it today? How many of you know faith calls those things as not as though they were? But I'm going to chase the lion. I'm not going to run tuck-tailed like a scaredy cat. And thank God, I did. God supplied. But you're going to have to attack the problem. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Here's number three. Lion chasers exemplify faithfulness. They have an eye for opportunity. And they use the correct measuring stick. But they have and they exemplify faithfulness. My church family, can I just tell you, you can't be faithful and fearful at the same time. You can't be full of faith and full of fear at the same time. And the enemy loves to use his roar in fear. When you hear the diagnosis, when you hear about what's going on, you hear the problems, it's a roar. But you're going to have to decide, I'm going to be faithful. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. My church family, fear is a spirit that does not come from God. And here's the great news. If God didn't give it to you, you don't have to receive it. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? Yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. But I think today as we close, guess what? Benaiah redefines faithfulness. See, faithfulness is not just, I'm just holding down the fort. No, faithfulness is chasing a 500-pound lion and advancing territory. Not just, you know, looking at the problem and saying, I'm going to take care. But actually, I'm going to take care of this problem and I'm going to move forward. I'm going to have victory. I'm actually going to take territory. See, my church family, there is a brand of religiosity that says that they are satisfied with just breaking evil. You know, hey, don't do this, don't do that. You'll be okay. I don't want to be okay. I want to be victorious. I want to say that again. I don't want to be okay. I want to thrive. I don't want to survive. I want to be victorious, and I want to live the abundant life that Jesus said that he came to give me. Don't get me wrong. Breaking even isn't bad, but it's not advancing. And here's what I have found. If you're not advancing, you can be stagnant, and if you're stagnant, it's the first step to stepping back because if you are not advancing, you're stopped. The next step can either go forward or you can go backward, and most people, when they stop, they start going backward. My church family, I don't want to just break even. I want to live in the overflow that God has for you, but the, for me and for you. But the only way to tap your God-given potential and to fulfill your God-ordained destiny is to chase 500-pound lions. And today, we are going to make a decision that we are going to be fearless. I want you to say this with me today. Say, no fear here. Oh, that was good. But I want you to say it like the devil is listening. Ready? No fear here. Come on. No fear here. Come on. If you believe that, give the Lord a good round of applause today. Would you stand with me today as we close? I'm excited about this new series. Did you learn something today? I hope you were inspired. I get so inspired. (laughs) <laughs> I get so inspired because Benaiah, everybody look at me. He didn't even have the Holy Spirit like you have the Holy Spirit. Jesus hadn't even died on the cross yet. We have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so often we live a life that's less because fear has come to paralyze you. Listen, 
And fear comes to sabotage your future. And I came here to tell you that your great future is right on the other side of the fear. I always ask myself this question. I'm gonna talk a little bit more later about temptation and stuff. I always ask myself when I'm afraid, why is the enemy trying to make me afraid right now? What is on the other side of this fear that he doesn't want me to walk into? And every time I've crossed that threshold, my church family, every time I've experienced God's greatness in my life. But you're gonna have to face your fear. God will give you the power, but you're gonna have to make a decision. How do we fulfill our destiny? By making a decision. And you're gonna find that right on the other side of that fear was a great opportunity that the enemy doesn't want you to see. He wants you to freak out. And I'm telling you, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Here's what fear will do. Fear will rob you of the power that God has given you. Fear will rob you of being able to love. We're gonna go into this deeper because the Bible says it's perfect love that casts out all fear. And then the Bible says that fear tries to make you unstable in your mind. But you and I as children of God can have a sound mind even when the world is shaking and going crazy. We can be lion chasers. I want you to bow your heads today. Just a couple more moments and then we're gonna dismiss you to go out and have a great time. But just wanna take a moment for you to just look inside your heart for a second. You know, a lot of people, one of their greatest fears is death. But the Bible talks to us as Christians, as believers, sons and daughters of God, that death has no sting for us. Why? Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And maybe you're still afraid of that. But here's what I want to do today. I want to give you the opportunity today to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. To know that when you close your eyes for the last time here on earth, you can open them up in heaven. And how does that happen? It doesn't happen because you're so good. It happens because God is good. And he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross as a sacrifice for your sin. See, our sin needed to be paid for, but thank God the Lion of Judah came and he was on a cross and he paid for your sin today. And so what makes us children of God is putting our faith in the sacrifice that Jesus did. And I'm telling you today, you can walk out of here knowing that all of your sins are forgiven, that you are a child of God, that you're gonna be a lion chaser, that you're gonna have the strength of Almighty God in your spirit, helping you to fulfill the destiny that God has for you. There's a reason you came today. There's a reason that you overcame COVID. There's a reason why you are here today. And it is not coincidence. It is by divine appointment today. And I just wanna pray with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if today you would say, Pastor Phil, I need Jesus in my heart. Man, I need to be an overcomer. I don't wanna be afraid of death. I wanna be a child of God. I wanna be forgiven today. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? I'd like to pray with you. Or maybe today you're like, I need to rededicate my life today. Would you just lift your hand right where you're at? I need to do that. God bless you. God bless you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm gonna say this prayer. Would you 
pray with me. Just repeat after me and say it with faith. You know, my church family, can we all say this prayer so they don't feel like they're alone? I want them to feel encouraged. Pray with me, say this. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sins. Today I repent. Today I become forgiven. And Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's welcome all of them to the family of God. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.